Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to a special edition of Warriors Off Court the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. This is John Shea, and I'm filling in for Chronicle beat writer Connor Letourneau. We present an interview with Warriors coach Steve Kerr, not about basketball, but about baseball. He was quite the ball player as a kid and played in a couple of city championship games at Dodger Stadium. There was a time in his life that baseball was his best sport. He takes us back with some great memories on the diamond away from the hardwood, and has some interesting things to say about the A's, and doesn't forget about that Joe Morgan home run that allowed the Giants to eliminate his Dodgers. Yeah, he remains a Dodger fan, but more than that, he loves the game. Steve Kerr gives us his baseball memories in typical must-listen Steve Kerr fashion. Have you been following the baseball playoffs oh, yeah. yet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a Dodger fan from growing up. Mm, sure. And uh, my dad used to take my brother and me to Dodger games. We'd sit in the bleachers, left field bleachers, and um, it was a great day. You know, I remember my first game uh, when you walk out into the ballpark and you see that grass field for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was magical. And... Um, and so just growing up there, I became attached to the Dodgers. It was a great time to be a Dodger fan, too. In the 70s, you know, they had, uh, they had really good teams. And, um, so I've been a fan ever since. So 74, 77, 78 were all playoff teams. And 81, the strike-shortened season, they won it all. They won it all, yeah. What, who were your guys? What was your team in that era? Uh, so I was... 81, I was a sophomore in high school, and back then, uh, the World Series was still played occasionally during the day, and the kids would bring transistor radios to, uh, to school, and a lot of Dodger fans uh, at high school, in the Palisades High School where I lived, and uh, so I remember listening to some of the games on the radio, playoff games, World Series. To Vinny. What's that? To Vin Scully. Yeah, to Vin. And uh, on the beach as well. Um, you go to the beach on a weekend, you know, Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon. Mm-hmm. You'd hear Vin Scully's voice almost in stereo. You know, people everywhere had Vin yeah, on. Yeah. Different deal now with social media, with all the different options. With, you know, you, know you, you can watch the game on your phone, whatever. So you don't have that so much. But all those guys, Davey Lopes... Uh, Ron Say, Steve Garvey. Probably my favorite player was Reggie Smith. Reggie Smith. Man, could he hit? Yeah. Switch hitter. I yeah. loved his stance. He just mm-hmm. looked like he was getting ready to clobber the ball. Mm-hmm. So you you were 1982. Giant fans might be a little different than Dodger fans back in the day because the Giants didn't have a lot going for them at the time. And whenever the Giants could inflict harm on the right. Dodgers. That yeah. was their season. Was 1982. That the Joe Morgan home run. Joe Morgan home yeah. run in Candlestick. 1982. 
82. So you're a junior in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Knocked him out. And I remember Morgan's home run, and I remember all the Giants fans chanting "Beat LA" and <laughs> taking great joy. Uh, I believe there's a term for that. Uh, Schadenfreude. It's a great word. That's was. I think that may have been when I learned what that meant. And uh, I since have felt the same emotion uh, for uh, other sports teams when they've lost. I'm not going to mention which ones. <laughs> Your, your dad took you to the game? Your uh-huh. mom took you to the game? With your yeah, okay. my dad okay. and my older brother and I would go. Okay, yeah. okay. So that would have been 70s, mid-70s, late 70s? Yeah, first my first game was early 70s. The early 70s, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I want to say probably 71 mm-hmm. or so. And uh, so the first team that I really remember was the 74 team. I okay. remember Joe Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played the A's in the World Series and play I remember was Joe Ferguson stepping in front of the center fielder to, on a fly on a tag fly a fly ball tag up, yeah. and he threw the runner out yeah. at home yeah. Um, yeah so Dodger Stadium you're a junior in high school and you're suiting up for a CIF yeah, city championship game that was amazing now, what, what was that like I mean you, the, the, you went there to watch and suddenly right. you're there to suit up that was one of the great thrills of my life mm-hmm. um, so my junior year I was the uh, second string pitcher. Okay. And my senior year, I was a third baseman and a pitcher. Mm-hmm. So my, my junior year, we lost 13 nothing. Brett Saberhagen threw a no hitter against us for Cleveland High. And uh, just to be in Dodger Stadium was amazing, but we thought we were going to win you know, going into it. So <laughs> we got whitewashed. So it was a tough. Uh, Tough way to finish the year, but it was, it was magical, you know, uh, being out on the mound at Dodger Stadium. And uh, as you can tell by the score, I didn't fare so well, but uh, man, was it fun. So you're on the mound for four and two thirds innings. You didn't give up an earned run. <laughs> you heard the story. It's, it's rather misleading, but uh, yeah. yeah, but that's what I tell people. Yeah. And it, which is true. Mm-hmm. But it's misleading because uh, we should have gotten the third out and there was an error. And then they proceeded to hit seven straight rockets off me. And I think I gave up five runs. <laughs> and I couldn't get anybody out. And, and finally the inning ended mercifully. I came in when it was 8 nothing, I think. Mm. And so I gave up five, five unearned. And uh, so, yeah, I, just, I, I, I try to avoid telling people that. So, yeah, I threw four and two-thirds and didn't give up a number. Just well, leave it at that. You face Saber Hagen pitching, and you face Saber Hagen as a, as a hitter. I did not hit him. You, you did not uh, face him. DH, and uh, so I didn't hit that year. And uh, so he threw a no-hitter. The, the thing I remember most about that night was, besides our guys coming back to the dugout, shaking their heads like, Jesus, this guy's 90, 90 miles an hour on the black. What are we going to do? Uh, but our best player tried to bunt his way on in the top of the seventh, a down 13 nothing, have a no-hitter. <laughs> kind of a no-no in baseball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the unwritten rules, you don't try to bunt your way on to break up a no-hitter when it's 13 nothing. If it's one nothing, no problem. Seven. Yeah. Well, complete game is seven innings, so you might have had his number in the eighth or ninth inning. Yeah. Kind of false sure, advertising. Sure. <laughs> uh, but my second year there, we played again my senior year at Tiger Stadium. We lost to Westchester 7 to 4. 
we had a 4-1 lead. Mm. And I um, uh, got a hit. I think I went one for three. Got a uh, bases loaded uh, single up the middle. Went through the pitcher's legs. Hit a good line drive. Literally? It went literally. I went right between his legs on the follow through, but I hit it, hit it hard and scored two. And uh, one for three. We're up 4 1. And uh, and they came back, scored uh, scored six unanswered and beat us again. So didn't, didn't win the city either year, but playing in Dodger Stadium twice was one of the great thrills of yeah. my, uh, my life. And I've had a lot of great thrills. Yeah. So right up well you were a wonderful baseball player and a wonderful basketball player in high wonderful, school wonderful uh, relatively speaking i wasn't getting any college scholarships you know i wasn't good enough to play at the collegiate level yeah i had already started focusing on basketball by then so basketball was my sport um but you know as kids did back in the day you just played you know whatever was next uh, but i was really training for basketball and um, played baseball when the season started and loved every second of it. So that was an easy decision not to play baseball beyond high school yeah. to focus on yeah, basketball? I didn't. Um, I had already started focusing on it really probably my freshman uh-huh. year. And in fact, I didn't play baseball um, freshman or sophomore years. I was traveling, we traveled overseas. Right. And so I missed a couple of years of baseball and then my last two years. Um, Played baseball because I was back. We were back in the Palisades. And mm-hmm. time to so overseas, you played all four years high school basketball. I did yeah. because you know basketball is a global sport. Sure. So I played uh, yeah. played in international tournaments. And played played a lot of basketball. Uh, I lived in Cairo, mm-hmm. Egypt, ninth and tenth grades, and uh, played quite a bit. Well, how has your baseball experience helped you? as a basketball player and more to current time as a basketball coach? It's um, a good question. Um, I just think I think playing other sports in general is, is underrated and it's something that a lot of kids miss out on these days and there's a lot of reasons why. Sometimes the sport translates. Mm-hmm. I don't think baseball translates to basketball in terms of the sport itself. Soccer really translates to basketball. A lot of the same patterns. Uh, same advantages, trying to get you know past your man, past your defender, spacing, spacing. Um, but I think when you're playing different sports, allows you to meet different people, uh, allows you to work different muscles in your body, um, gives you a break from your your main sport. Um, you know, baseball's outside, which is so great, you know, especially in Southern California. You know, in the springtime, you're playing baseball outside enjoying the fresh air uh, and uh, so I played it because I loved it and because mm-hmm. I played when I was a kid and, and uh, something incredibly gratifying about either making a great play in the field or hitting a line drive uh, and does that feel good when did you first start playing baseball like six or seven something like that Little League, um, somewhere? Little League, yeah. yeah. Probably seven. Uh, Palace Pacific Palisades yeah. Little League. So by the time you were in high school, you, you pitched, you played third. Mm-hmm. What did you do as a kid? Did you play everywhere? I pitched and played shortstop. Okay. And um, mm-hmm. 
and it was it was actually my best sport at that time. And uh, I had a good arm, so I pitched and could bring the gas a little bit. There was 1988, and the Dodgers haven't won since. They've won six straight mm-hmm. division titles. You're, you're seeing the final four now: Houston, Boston, and then Los Angeles, Milwaukee. How you how do you think the competition stacks up? Would you think this could be their year, or is it an American League dominated World Series? You think? Um, I hope it's their year. I, I think Milwaukee's really good. Uh, I'd be thrilled if they could get past Milwaukee, but um, I think that's a really even matchup. And then both teams in the American League are historically good. Houston looks. So dominant. Um, I mean, there's just not a hole in their lineup, and uh, Verlander has been so dominant uh, since he's been there. So my guess is Houston probably wins it all, but hmm. I hope I'm wrong. Well, you you um, you played in a different game growing up when you went out to Dodger Stadium and saw all these teams and. The game has evolved so much in the last few years, in the yeah. last few months. Yeah. What, what's your vision of today's game versus then? Are you okay with these changes? We have short, we have bullpen-dominated teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have celebrations like we've never seen it. You see it in basketball right. much um, prior to us seeing it in baseball. Uh, it's taboo in a lot of ways not to do certain things in baseball still, but for the most part it's, it's uh, being... Yeah, it's become more of a part of the game. But what's what's your what's your thoughts on on how the game has changed? And do you agree with a lot of the changes? I love the National League game, uh, and the National League game has always been uh, so much more strategic because of the pitcher batting. But um, it's really interesting what teams are doing bullpenning. Uh, you know, the A's did it in their wild card game. Obviously, didn't work out. But um, yesterday, game two of the Dodger. Uh, Milwaukee series was fascinating. Um, Milwaukee had really, they bullpened game one, and so they couldn't use Hayter in game two because right. he went three innings. three innings. And so the Dodgers basically, you know, started all their right-handed batters, brought in all their left-handed batters as soon as uh, Miley went out. Didn't have to deal with Hayter, mm-hmm. but had used up pretty much all their subs by the seventh inning. And they got the bases loaded and one out with a chance to tie. And I think Grandall was the only guy left to bring off the bench for the pitcher. And he's their slowest guy. Yeah. And so he hits into a That's double right. play. And so what's fascinating about the, the game to me now is there's so many more moves and so much more usage of the bullpen and righty-lefty combinations that teams are going for it and then leaving themselves knowingly, they know what they're doing, leaving themselves shorthanded late in the game, um, which is why I love the National League, because in the American League, you just don't have the DH out there and bullpenning doesn't really hurt you. Uh, But in the National League, you know, you make all those changes, righty, lefty switches, and all of a sudden it's the eighth inning and the pitcher spots do up. You don't have anybody left. That's the risk you have to decide. so it's such a chess match now, and so much more goes into it with the shifts and with righty left, and the knowledge of where everybody's hitting the ball, the percentages of where it's going. Uh, 
there's probably so much more knowledge that they have in those yeah. big notebooks now than compared to 20, 30 years ago. And I imagine the same in basketball. There's so much more knowledge there as is. a coach than you had as a player. Yeah, there is. And there's, I think, it, it, you know, what's shifted in basketball is the three-point shot, the prevalence of the three-point shot. And, and some of the rules have changed, too, but the um, game's gotten smaller and faster. You don't have the behemoths dominating underneath. Right. Maybe the analogy is kind of like you don't have a lot of dominant starting pitching anymore. In the old days, you had the horse, the ace. Right. Now you got deep bullpens. It was about two innings, 200 innings and 30 starts a year, yeah. and you just don't see that you anymore. You don't see it. You don't see a lot of batters qualify for the batting championship because they don't get That's the 502. Right. I remember going to a game when Tommy John pitched, and it lasted an hour and 50 minutes. Uh, that's never going to happen. No. You know, he pitched no. a complete game. He didn't mess around. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the other team wasn't stepping out of the box right. trying to get him right. out of rhythm. You know, it was just they just played. No intro music. No. <laughs> no walk-up music. Did you, did you hang out at all with, with Bochy or Melvin over the, over the I've, past I know few them, years? I, I've met them both. Okay. Um, I don't know them well. Yeah. I've great respect for both of them. Um, you know, what Bochy did with a team that was really you know, offensively challenged, winning three World yeah. Series championships. It's incredible. Um, great use of the bullpen, uh, timely hitting. Uh, seemed like seemed like he had a real knack for the feel of when to, guy, when to, when to put a guy in uh, as a pinch hitter, when to play him. Um, I think that's similar to basketball in that uh, you know a lot of there's a lot of feel. You've got to you got to you got to have a good reason to put somebody in, but it's not always math. It's not always as simple as as a math equation. There's a human element to it, and that's where where I think uh, baseball managers can really make a difference. I love Dave Roberts. Um, you know, to to manage a group like that when you're platooning literally every day, righties and yeah. lefties. Right. That's a lot of egos, a lot of guys who would want to play every day, and you can't blame them for wanting to play every day. They're playing, you know, every other day, every third day, and they look like they have a great culture there. And you guys buy in, and so that's what I look for as a coach: is you know, what is a what does the team's culture look like? Are they enjoying it? Are they having fun? And, um, and as a manager, sort of, you know, pushing the right buttons. Yeah. It's, it's fun to watch. And Melvin has his own challenges. Usually, a, a, a low payroll guy's just a year or two out of the minors, and he's made it work. He's made it work, and uh, you know, get good, and then you can't pay him, so you got to trade him all away, and then you start the whole cycle okay. all over again. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see the A's uh, build a new ballpark. Um, I, I'm. A, I've been living in the East Bay now for this is my fifth year, mm-hmm. and I've been to Oakland Coliseum once. And I went I went to one game, and the stadium experience was just awful. Mm-hmm. And I think the A's have this incredible brand, um, great history, great colors. Um, I think they're a sleeping giant, and I think if somebody can find a way to to build a new ballpark especially with us moving to San Francisco and the Raiders leaving. I think the A's could own Oakland and make it such a desirable place to go. I would go to, I'd go to a lot of games in the summertime if Oakland had a really nice ballpark. They're looking at the Coliseum, they're looking at Jack London Square. Obviously Jack London Square, more scenery, but more obstacles. Yeah, more obstacles. I know the, uh, 
subway didn't, when the train didn't stop. <laughs> no. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a great sport and it's so fun to watch. And these guys are so good now too. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just like basketball, the players get better and better. You don't compare eras. People always ask you, can, can you can't. compare the Warriors? But you can't do it in baseball no, either. Yeah. No, you can't compare eras. They didn't have the information 20, 30, 30 years ago right. we have now. So, different game. Just maybe one last thing. What was your best baseball memory, whether it was a player or a fan or whatever? Mm. You played twice in Dodger Stadium, mm -hmm. which was a memory enough. Right. But were those the top two, or was there something um, else? Those, those are the top two. Um, as a fan, it would be the 81 win over the Yankees because uh, I was pretty bitter when they lost 77 and 78 yeah, to the Yankees. To the Yankees. So 81 was retribution from Fernando. Uh, Fernando Mania was Fernando 81. Mania, yeah. And, uh, you were overseas, though. Uh, only if I was, I was uh, home for the World Series. Okay. Yeah. And um, let's see. 81... I didn't move overseas until uh, second semester. So first semester I was... So you were able to enjoy able it to enjoy at home. It, yeah. Nice. Well, this is great, Steve. I really appreciate the time. You got it. It was a pleasure. All right. Thanks a lot. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. This show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Also, follow us on iTunes. And if you have some time, give us some feedback. 